On Enmeshed, we discuss crimes and situations that may be disturbing for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. What's up? Do you like true crime? Well, I guess I'll speak for everyone and say yes. Do you like to laugh? Oh, yeah. Who doesn't? Do you like beer? Absolutely. Well, that's great because I've got a podcast for you. Crimes, Killers, Cult, and Beer. That's right. We're just two crazy Florida men drinking beer and talking about true crime. We cover everything from far back in history to the present day. Like Elizabeth Bathory. But please don't listen to that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But we also do the heavy hitters like Richard Ramirez, Carl Panzram, Pee Wee Gaskins, Henry Lee Lucas, etc. But we also get into the exclusively Florida stories you may not have heard of, like the drunken murderer mayor, William Cottrell. And the crazy antics of the original Florida man, Bone Mazzell. The episodes are well researched and told with as much ridicule as possible on the bad guys while being respectful to the victims and their families. When you get right down to it, you really need to laugh and drink a beer while you're listening to the stories about these jerks. <laughs> so check out Crimes, Killers, Cult, and Beer. CKCBpodcast.com. Hello, lads and lassies. And welcome to Enmeshed, the podcast that explores family relationships and crime. I'm Amanda. And I'm her mom, Pam. And we're going way, way back for today's story. Yeah, this one is really for our history fanatics out there. Plus, it's totally disgusting, disturbing, and gruesome. There is no fast forwarding in this one. It's the whole episode. Not only that, this one has everything. Incest, murder in the thousands, and cannibalism all in some cave along the Scottish coast. That's right, we're covering the Sawney Bean clan. Fair warning, since our story today takes place in the 16th and 17th centuries, there's a lot of lore and unverified aspects that we'll be covering. Some researchers say the clan never existed at all, and instead assert that the legend serves as political commentary in opposition to the Jacobite Rebellion of 1745, which we'll get into. The truth is, we'll never know for sure. And why let the truth get in the way of a good story? Oh yeah, this reminds me of Outlander. Jamie and Claire. Oh boy, I need to watch that show. It's still on my list. So good. Yeah, it looks really good. It's a I little just... harsh. Like this episode is going to be, though. Is that just a Scottish thing? No, I think it was the 1700s thing. Oh, well, it's on my list. I only really have time for a little bit of TV, which brings me to my favorite Scottish person. The shows that I watch are Gordon Ramsay. I did not know he was Scottish. He is Scottish. Hmm. He was born in Scotland, but he grew up in England. But yeah, he's Scottish. Okay. Well, he definitely can cook and yell. Yeah, second favorite Scottish person, fat bastard. <laughs> Get in my belly. He is Scottish. 
Okay, well, speaking of get in my belly, let's get into this episode. Yeah, so let's start out in East Lothian in the late 15th century when Sonny Bean is believed to have been born. Edinburgh, the political and royal seat of Scotland, is in East Lothian, which gives some credence to the theory that the Sonny Bean story is all just propaganda, but I digress. Some versions say Sonny took up the family business of ditch digging in his adolescence, while others say he became a tanner. Both of which are ghoulish professions when you put them up against the legend as a whole. Exactly. Either way, he married a woman called Black Agnes, who was accused of being a witch. Realizing he didn't want to dig ditches or tan hides anymore, he took his new bride across the country to Ayrshire, a coastal town overlooking the mouth of the River Clyde, which has the deepest coastal waters in the British Isles. There, they discovered Benane Cave, a 600-foot collection of winding tunnels and caverns that would be their home for the next 25 years. Twice a day, the high tide would flood the cave's entrance, providing a hiding place for the couple and the evil deeds they'd soon commit there. With no desire to make an honest living, the couple turned to roadside robbery instead. Together, Sonny and Black Agnes laid traps for passing travelers to ambush them at night. With a macabre efficiency, the couple robbed and murdered their victims, in part to profit, in part to conceal their crime, and in part to feed themselves. In some versions, Sonny simply figured there was no need to let good meat go to waste. Killing two birds with one stone, dismembering and eating their victims kept their bellies full and their attacks a secret. In other versions, cannibalism was the goal all along, with robbery as a little bonus. Though body parts would wash up on the beach periodically in the nearby villages, people assumed animal attacks were to blame. No one knew of Sonny and Black Agnes haunting the Benane Cave along the lonely road connecting the villages. And staying in the cave all day, the natural happened. The beans started having baby beans. They were bacon beans. Many, many baby beans. Six daughters and eight sons, all of whom were raised eating pickled, roasted, dried, and raw human flesh. As an army of cannibals, the beans ambushed as many as half a dozen travelers a night to feed their growing appetite. Of course, these missing persons did not go unnoticed. Search parties were frequently dispatched and the cave was discovered at least once, but it was declared unfit for human occupancy and disregarded. The surrounding villages still knew nothing of the Bean clan and in their frustration executed innocent people for the crimes. Local innkeepers took the brunt of the punishment as many of the missing travelers had last been seen in their establishments. Which is something we've seen happen before, as in the case of the Bloody Benders in the late 1800s. Briefly, the Bender family used their bed and breakfast to rob and murder unsuspecting travelers in Kansas, killing 11 or more people in a two-year span. But that's a case for another time. Back to the Beans. 
There's no indication that any of the first set of children died in infancy or any of the regular child mortality cases you expect in the 1600s. In addition, they had no contact with the outside world, knowing only each other. So, in addition to their cannibalistic ways, the first generation of cave-dwelling beans spent their free time the same way as mom and dad, bacon beans. Their incest eventually resulted in 14 granddaughters and 18 grandsons for Sonny and Black Agnes. That's a lot of mouths to feed. That many beans is impressive. We would have been goners giving birth, like, the first time. Yeah. Yeah, it's a breach thing. Absolutely. Even though they'd spent years as a well-oiled, man-eating machine, the Bean family eventually ran into trouble. One night, a young man and his new wife were returning home from a night of fun at the county fair. With military precision, one platoon of beans attacked the wife, dragging her from her horse and quickly disemboweling her in front of her beloved. Though the man tried to save her, the other group of cannibals was already on him, struggling to unhorse him too. It appeared the man would meet the same horrifying fate as his bride when a group of 20 or so fairgoers stumbled on the scene. With their secret out, the beans abandoned the man and fled into the tunnels of Benane Cave. Along with the extraordinarily long list of missing people last seen near Ayrshire, the local magistrate took the man's story to King James I. A search party outfitted with 400 men and several bloodhounds searched the cave. Barrels of body parts and piles of stolen heirlooms littered the cave. Intestines hung from the rock walls like garland, and the ground glittered with golden jewelry. Heaps of discarded bones further solidified that the beans were, indeed, eating their victims and doing so in great quantities. Between 48 family members, it's believed that over 5,000 travelers met their fate inside the Bean family lair. The legend of the manhunt has a couple of variations. In one version, the clan was taken alive without much resistance. They were transferred to Edinburgh, where they were summarily executed. Their crimes were so atrocious, the family was regarded as subhuman and therefore not worthy of a trial. Sonny and the other men had their genitalia cut off and thrown into the fires, their hands and feet were severed, and they were allowed to bleed to death. Allegedly, as he died, Sonny shouted, quote, It isn't over. It will never be over. Unquote. Upon watching the men die slowly, Black, Agnes, and the other women were burned at the stake. In another version, the search party detonated gunpowder at the entrance of the cave, which caused the entire clan to suffocate inside. It's a less satisfying end than public execution, though. Legend also has it that one of the daughters had escaped the clan earlier and settled in a nearby village where she planted a tree that became known as the Harry Tree. After her family's crimes were exposed, her identity was revealed, and angry locals hanged her from a bough of the hairy tree. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll discuss the veracity of the Sawney Bean story and its lasting impact. 
Are you planning an event with audio and visual needs but are not sure where to start? Waves Entertainment can help. Waves Entertainment is your premier full-service management company with high-quality custom solutions for any size event. Whether you are planning a large festival or concert, a corporate meeting or wedding, Waves Entertainment will power your event to excellence. Our team of industry professionals work closely with your vision to ensure your audience hears every word, sees every detail, and remembers the experience. Our goal is to ensure your event is customized to fit your needs and provide professional-grade equipment to amplify your message. From live stage production and talent booking to vendor coordination, event staffing, and more, Waves Entertainment is your one-stop shop for the perfect event. Visit our website, wavesentertainment.com, or give us a call at 704-662-2435. That's 704-662-2435. Waves Entertainment, powering your event to excellence. Are you into podcasts about missing people, cold cases, and true crime? I'm Renee Robertson, host and creator of the podcast Missing in the Carolinas. The show is a regional podcast that features people you might have heard of, such as Brittany Drexel, who went missing from Myrtle Beach while on spring break in 2009, and others you might not have heard of, like Lou Cree Overcash, Westmoreland, who disappeared from her husband's family farm in Mooresville in 1937. I also dig deep into the news archives for stories like Diane Gabriel, a real estate agent who vanished after taking an appointment to look at a house on the shores of Lake Norman in 1983. Look for Missing in the Carolinas wherever you get your podcasts. Now back to the show. So during the break, I've decided to be a vegetarian again. Yeah, right. I haven't. What does that say about me? Nasty. Yeah. Hmm. Also, a revelation that I've had while reading this story. Mr. Bean, is there any relation? Is he a potential offspring of this family chain if this is a true story hey if you want to go down that rabbit hole have at it all right i might outside of this episode might start researching that okay let us know okay so first let's touch on some historical significance to the sonny bean story whether it's true or not this part is a little confusing but the scottish king james the seventh was also the english king james the second in 1745. His Protestant son-in-law, Prince Charles Edward Stuart, or Charles III, captured Edinburgh and overthrew King James in an attempt to reassert the exiled Stuart family to the crown. This event was called the Jacobite Rebellion or the 45 Rebellion, with Jacobite meaning a supporter of James. So how does this rebellion tie in with Sonny Bean? The story of Sonny Bean first appeared in Britain in what we'd consider tabloids following the rebellion. It's possible the story was used as anti-Scottish propaganda, painting Scots as cannibalistic, sister-raping brutes who needed the guidance of a fully British monarchy to tame them. Scottish historian Dr. Louise Yalman wrote, quote, 
The name Sonny itself was a popular English name for the barbarous cartoon Scott. It's like calling a cartoon Irishman Patty, unquote. So you could argue that the Sonny Bean story was meant to broadly encapsulate all Scots for political purposes. It wouldn't be the first time a Scotsman was alleged to be a cannibal either. The Bean clan story is very familiar to an earlier account of Christy Cleek, a butcher who was alive during a severe famine in the mid-14th century. Legend has it, Christy Cleek developed a taste for human flesh after a member of his scavenging party died of starvation, and Christy used his butchering skills to divide the man among the survivors. It's said that the party then began hunting and ambushing travelers for their meat. Eventually, the party's crimes were discovered and all but Christy were killed, with him escaping to start fresh elsewhere under a new name. Evidently, the tale of Christy Cleek became something of a boogeyman for a time with parents threatening naughty children that if they continued to misbehave, Christy Cleek would eat them up. Interesting. I'm surprised you never used that on me. I didn't know, but now I'm going to use it on your children. Hey, I'm on board with that. I've got a rowdy toddler who needs a little lesson. Okay. I'm going to use this story. If Santa's not working... Christy Cleek. I asked her this morning if she was on the nice list or the naughty list. And she said she's on the naughty list. Like she owns it. She just knows. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I guess it doesn't. All right. So there was another story of a Scottish brigade who was tried and executed for cannibalism during these middle centuries as well, who had an infant daughter. The daughter was adopted into a loving home but also developed a cannibal appetite around the age of 12. According to legend, she was put to death for it. So there were a lot of Scottish cannibal stories going around. Maybe I should second-guess my love for Gordon Ramsay. I don't know. So this brings me to today. Horror director Wes Craven used the Bean Clan as inspiration for 1977's The Hills Have Eyes, which is a terrifying movie. It's totally creepy. Yeah. Prolific New Wave author Harlan Ellison wrote a story about a drifter who meets descendants of the Sawney Bean clan. Potentially Mr. Bean. Nearly every website I looked at drew parallels between Sawney Bean and Hannibal Lecter, essentially calling Dr. Lecter an amateur in comparison. Ah, Clarice. Though the story has lasted hundreds of years, there's little factual evidence to support it. Those long lists of missing persons have never actually been recovered, nor has there been verifiable proof of the mass execution of innkeepers in retaliation. The fact that the king himself makes a direct appearance in the story also calls its credibility into question. I'd also like to point out that the story says this family of 46 ate human flesh for 25 years. There's a disease called Karoo that affects some people that practice cannibalism, and once symptoms set in, death is pretty swift. Let me explain. In the 1950s, researchers were studying a population in Papua New Guinea of about 11,000 people. This tribe practiced ritualistic cannibalism, where the tribe's people would eat the flesh of a dead loved one 
to tame any evil spirits that might try to accompany their relative into the afterlife. Researchers started noticing that women and small children of the same social groups, not necessarily the same genetic groups, were more likely to be afflicted with Karoo, which caused uncontrollable shivering and eventually the loss of all bodily functions before death. They realized that women were the ones preparing and eating the bodies of their dead as a funeral practice, and, like mothers do, they'd give pieces of what they were cooking to the children. One researcher referred to this as passing on snacks. Hmm. Nice. Carew didn't seem to affect boys who were nearing puberty because they went to join the menfolk who didn't eat the dead. We now know that Carew is Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease, a rapidly progressive and variably fatal neurodegenerative disorder caused by a brain protein that essentially mutated. It's believed that one of these villagers randomly developed the twisted protein called a prion, and that's what created the waterfall of Karoo in Papua New Guinea. It's similar but not related to mad cow disease or chronic wasting disease found in deer and elk in North America. These infected brain proteins can unfortunately jump to people upon consumption. And I completely forgot about mad cow disease, but now I'm going to start thinking about it again. So all that is to say, in 25 years of nearly 50 bean family members eating upwards of 5,500 people, there's no indication of ill effects such as Karoo? Just something to think about. Whether a group of cave-dwelling incestuous cannibals actually terrorized the coast of Scotland or not, the legend of Sonny Bean remains in large part because of a near-universal fear of humans acting in monstrous, non-human ways, and that we might be what's for dinner. And with that, I'd like to end this gruesome tale with a warning from the ballad of Sonny Bean. So if you ride, fray there, tay here, be ye wary in between, lest they catch your horse and spill your blood in the cave of Sonny Bean. You know, Amanda, the beans could possibly be our kinfolk. No. My 23andMe shows my ancestry composition at 73.7% Northern Europe, mainly Great Britain and Scotland. Hence, my maiden name starts with a Mick. I'm going to go there and find my clan. Well, if you do that, I'm coming with. All right. The family crest is still online. It's, oh. Mm-hmm. It's super cool. Let's go. All right, let's go. We have a lot of trips to go on. <laughs> if you ever get unbusy. I don't think that will happen. We're lucky to even get an episode out. I know. All right. That's all right. We're doing the best we can. All right. Well, that's a wrap for today. Join us next time for a new episode of Enmeshed. And remember, don't conform to the unhealthy family norm. Goodbye, or if you want it in Scottish, here's Pamela. Martian leave and drowsta. There you go. Thank you for listening. 
All of our sources are in today's show notes. You can find us at enmeshed underscore true crime podcast on Instagram, enmeshed true crime podcast on Facebook, or at enmeshed13 on X, formerly known as Twitter. You can also get a behind the scenes look at the show and chat with us about any of the cases you've heard here or share case suggestions. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to keep up with Enmeshed and join us every Monday for fresh takes on stale relationships. Enmeshed is an oh no production.